Welcome to the podcast of First Presbyterian Church of Marietta, where we are committed to changing lives with faith, hope, and love. We're so glad you are here. Now a second scripture lesson from the New Testament book of Acts, Acts chapter 9, verses 36 to 43. With this scripture lesson, we continue a sermon series uh, through the book of Acts, watching as the Holy Spirit leads the disciples out into the world, spreading the gospel. Again, I invite you to listen for the word of the Lord. Now in Joppa, there was a disciple whose name was Tabitha, which in Greek is Dorcas. She was devoted to good works and acts of charity. At that time, she became ill and died. When they had washed her, they laid her in a room upstairs. Since Lydda was near Joppa, the disciples who heard that Peter was there sent two men to him with the request, Please come to us without delay. So Peter got up and went with them, and when he arrived, they took him to the room upstairs. All the widows stood beside him, weeping and showing tunics and other clothing that Dorcas had made while she was with them. Peter put all of them outside, and then he knelt down and prayed. He turned to the body and said, Tabitha, get up. Then she opened her eyes, and seeing Peter, she sat up. He gave her his hand and helped her up. Then calling the saints and widows, he showed her to be alive. This became known throughout Joppa, and many believed in the Lord. Meanwhile, he stayed in Joppa for some time with a certain Simon, a tanner. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Last week was Vacation Bible School, an important week at our church, which makes a difference in many uh, children's lives, my life included. I remember moving here to Marietta, Georgia as a seven-year-old, coming to our VBS, not knowing a soul. But during the week, meeting friends, having snacks, and starting to feel at home in this church. And that is the wonder of Vacation Bible School. As As a kid, I was a participant when I was old enough. I was enlisted by my mother to be her assistant since become a, a, becoming a pastor. I've had a starring role in every Vacation Bible School as either uh, Daniel, Peter, Paul, Abraham. And last week, last week I went into my role as Moses with a high degree of confidence. I played Moses before. So I knew how to put on my beard and my robe. I knew just how to wrap my head with the cloth to cover the beard strings. But we finished the lesson too quickly. On Wednesday, we had 25 minutes to cover the battle with the Amalekites and only filled 15, leaving 10 minutes of unstructured time. That was a tragic mistake. I suggested that the kids just sit quietly and wait for a minute. That was a rookie move. For only a few seconds did they sit quietly. Then the wheels started turning towards an insurrection. One, One snuck up behind me and pulled my head wrap over my eyes while another stole my shoes. Next thing I knew, I was shoeless, beardless, and felt like I was a character in Lord of the Flies instead of Wilderness Escape Vacation Bible School. (laughs) 
What are we to say about these things? Well, in life, some things go worse than we expect them to. Some things go better. That's how it almost always feels when I go to the bedside of someone who is sick or, or dying. Several years ago, I knew Jim was dying. So when I walked into his hospital room, my, my head was spinning with my own grief, my personal concern for him and his family, and a self-centered fear that I wouldn't know what to say to this man as his pastor. Jim had chaired the committee who interviewed me and then asked the congregation to hire me as associate pastor at Good Shepherd Presbyterian Church in Lilburn. It was my first church, and I was a self conscious greenhorn pastor. I wanted to do a, a good job, but after I preached my very first sermon there, I wasn't sure whether I had preached a good sermon or crashed and burned. I looked up after I gave the, the benediction, and there was Jim giving me a thumbs up, telling me I had done a good job from where he always sat. And every Sunday after that, he was always there giving me a thumbs up. And so as I walked into the hospital room, I asked myself, what will the world look like without Jim Hodges in it? I knew he was dying, and I went to his bedside. As soon as I walked in, his wife Carol left the room just in case Jim needed to tell me something that he couldn't say in front of her. Are you afraid? I asked him. He said, yes. Carol doesn't understand the maintenance schedule for the HVAC system. <laughs> and she won't pay attention whenever I try to tell her about it. I'm worried about that. Now, this isn't what I was expecting him to, to say. What was I expecting him to say? That he was terrified? He wasn't. That his faith was shaken? It wasn't. What are any of us expecting dying people to say or ask of us when the time they have left is ticking down to days, hours, or minutes? I tell you, while VBS will often go sideways and we end up in a place we weren't expecting with our headband uh, blinding us and our shoes stolen, Pretty much every time I've gone to the bedside of the dying, as Peter went to Tabitha's, it's been an experience of the holy. That's the truth. Yet I've known plenty of people who just couldn't go. They say things like, I just want to remember her as she was. I don't think I could stand seeing him like that. I get it. My dad was 51 and having quadruple bypass surgery. So sure was my mom that there was nothing serious wrong with him. She, she wouldn't pay for the valet service at the hospital but made him walk from the parking garage all the way in. <laughs> She still feels bad about that, so I bring it up from time to time. <laughs> but I understand what she was thinking. He was so strong and able-bodied, there had been nothing wrong with him. Only then, all of a sudden, he was confined to a hospital bed, only two in the room at a time. 
Mom wanted me to take my little brother down there. He was just 13, and I was supposed to, to be there with him in case the sight of our, our dad scared him. I was 22 and was expected to handle it, though the sight of my dad hooked up to all those machines so pale, so vulnerable, affected me to the point where it was my little brother helping me to hold it together. Have you ever been to the bedside. Have you ever been to the bedside of a dying friend? Have you ever seen the one who is supposed to be strong, weak, and in pain? It's enough to keep plenty of people away. So sometimes when parents get sick, one child ends up carrying the, the heaviest load while the others can't make themselves go. What is it about the bedside? I can't say exactly, but as the disciples are sent in the book of Acts to the four corners of the earth, don't forget that being called to take the gospel across the sea and into a foreign land is no more terrifying than going to the bedside of the sick and dying. Peter was called to the bedside of a disciple whose name was Tabitha, which in Greek is Dorcas. She was devoted to good works and acts of charity, yet even she became ill and died because even the holy become ill and die. Even the, the lovely, even the dedicated, even the beautiful, even the kind, even the good all become ill and die. And they called on Peter to go to her bedside, to go to the bedside of Tabitha. Have you ever been called there? Have you ever had the courage to go when you were called? Not everyone's gone. Some of us, when given the chance between taking the gospel to China are testifying to the light at the bedside of the dying would sooner get their passport in order. What is it that we fear about the dying? Is it that they'll take us with them? Or is it that where they are, we are soon enough to follow? I once went to visit a woman named Jean Love, who was that uncommon kind of person who was always wanting to plan her funeral didn't have time to beat around the bush. She once told me that she was tired of me always being late for our appointments and that I should never be late to meet with old people because old people take so much time to get ready and only have so much time before they have to go and use the bathroom again. <laughs> I asked if she was always so direct with everyone who comes to visit and she said, oh, Joe, we must be direct. Getting old is terrible. It's just terrible. Everything changes. Nothing says the, stays the same. I miss so many people. But we must always be direct because getting old is so much worse if we are afraid to look it in the eye. 
Peter was called to the bedside of Tabitha, and there he had to look death in the eye. There he, he went to the place we are all headed. There he surely remembered what Jesus had said to him that day on the beach. Jesus said, very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you used to fasten your own belt and to go wherever you wish. But when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will fasten the belt around your waist and take you to where you do not want to go. Jesus gave Peter, then young and able-bodied, a glimpse into his future, a future no one rushes towards so people don't flock to the nursing homes where some are led around and taken where they don't wish to go? No. When people reach a, a certain age, they are often ignored and suffer not only the aches and pains of old age, but the suffering of isolation. Who goes to the bedside? Peter was called there. What did he expect to find once he got there? What do any of us expect to find at the bedside? I tell you, if we have the courage to go, what we will find is the light shining brightly. Yesterday, our own Denise Lobodinsky, who serves as the Beatle today, along with Susan Tibbetts, organized the break room at Vacation Bible School. She sent me an email from the, the rector of St. Stephen's Episcopal Church in Birmingham, Alabama. If you've been watching or reading the news, then you know that three are dead after a man walked into that church and opened fire. Denise sent me an email from the rector. Her friend has been visiting that church and her friend's daughter just attended their vacation Bible school. In this email, the rector quoted my favorite verse of scripture, John chapter 1 verse 5. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. If you've been to the bedside of the dying, then you know the truth of that verse already. And I tell you that God draws closer to us at the bedside of the dying than almost anywhere else, for the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness will not overcome it. I told you that Jim Hodges would give me a thumbs up after I preached. As he lay dying, he took a picture of his thumb so that I'd always remember that from heaven he's smiling down on me, pleased with my ministry. From his deathbed he told me, said, Joe, I'm just not sure what I'm going to do when I see him. See who, Jim, I asked. Will I laugh? Will I cry? Will I sing? When I see Jesus, I'm just not sure what I will do. 
My friends, too often we allow the suffering of today to distract us from the joy of our tomorrow. So I call on you to remember once again that the light shines in the darkness and the darkness will not overcome it. Remember that and think. Think of where you might go this week. I charge you, I call on you to think of whose bedside you might go to in this coming week to testify to the light that will not go out. Take just a moment and think of who is sick, who is dying, who hasn't left the house, to whom are you scared to go. Take out a pen and write their name on your bulletin. I'm not preaching anymore until I see you do it. <laughs> Who are you going to go see? Write your Tabitha's name down on your bulletin and make a point of going there this week. But why? To do what? To see the light shining brightly. For like water from the rock, like life after death, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness will not overcome it. Testify to the light. Thanks be to God. Amen. This podcast is a ministry of First Presbyterian Church of Marietta. Come join us Sundays at 189 Church Street, Marietta, Georgia or visit us online at fpcmarietta.org.